Nine rounds of golf for $90? Yep. The Minnesota Golf Passport is back and available now at garagelogic.com. As a golf passport card holder, you're entitled to nine 18 whole rounds of golf for just one low price of $90. Supplies are limited, so just go to garagelogic.com and type keyword passport. A $300 golf value for just 90 bucks. Now you got it. GarageLogic.com. Keyword passport. He's going in. Joe Sutro. Six four six eight two five five eight seven seven six one five fifteen hundred. Please take that orchestra down. Joe? Yes. You're on the Good air. Afternoon. Yeah, my theory on this thing is they shot a guy holding the scissors and they don't want another ride on their hands, so they're trying to spin it a bit. All right, thank you. Uh, please remember what he just said. Okay. It's going to be important to what I'm about to say. Okay. All right. Is it Tom? Tim. Tim, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tim. That's okay, Joel. Joel? Oh, it's Joel, but you touche. Um, it's probably a little early to to say this, but everybody speculates anyway. Um, in the police department, I am a little surprised that the mechanism they chose. Um, you know, another officer going for the gun is like step one. Seems a little bit. It, it just it seems in a lot of these cases it goes from zero to gun with nothing in between to try to subdue things. All right, thank you. Uh, both callers uh, are somewhat on the on the wavelength that I've been thinking about over the last five minutes. Okay. Uh, the first caller said they don't want to ride on their hands. Maybe the guy had nothing but his scissors. And the second caller said uh, it, it seems like it goes from zero to gun. Uh, uh Here's what, here's what I would say. I don't think the truth, well, how do I say this? Let me start this way. Okay. To say that this fellow had an edged weapon does make it plausible that Arredondo and his, his lieutenants, his people, uh, didn't want to be seen as being a didn't want to be seen as uh, uh, allowing this guy, however unintentionally, to bring a weapon of any kind into a police interview room. They they look foolish in that case, huh. and when you say edge weapon, you it it makes it uh, it. Creates a sense of urgency? No, it creates the sense that he didn't bring anything into the interview room, but was able to fashion something once inside the interview room that then gets called an edged weapon. Does that make sense? It does. Because they're, I think it's very plausible that to say edge weapon is, uh, is, is, again, it's obfuscation. It's hiding what, what the truth might be. All right. Here's the problem. When you don't speak the truth to the public or the press, and I don't care if it's from a police chief 
or a city council person or mm-hmm. a mayor or a senator or, or a president or what have you, it then becomes not only entirely reasonable, but entirely predictable, hence the last two callers, that you leave the public to their own devices. You you are you essentially are enabling the public to then fill in their own blanks. Mm. You can blunt that by providing the truth. And wouldn't we all be better off with the truth laid out there on the table, no matter how embarrassing it might be to you? You give you give me the truth, or you give the in this case newspaper and television reporters the truth. And then you don't have the public, you have not given the public the, the allow, you have not allowed the public to make up their own stories. <clears throat> uh, I'm afraid that we'll see another round of this in the Justine Damon situation, uh, where she was shot by a policeman on July 15th, and nobody knows anything yet. And then once we do know something, is it going to be spoken in plain truth? Or will the public be given an open door to make up their own scenarios, which they can't be blamed for in the absence of truth being put out there? Now, I'm, I'm, it sounds like I'm jumping terribly on uh, Arredondo. And I guess I am. Uh, this fellow uh, apparently will is not going to die. I hope, and uh, he's in the hospital. And uh, I hope I hope he survives. And I hope the police don't have a shooting uh, uh, death on their hands. I, I, at this point, I don't think they do. And so it might sound like I'm making a big deal out of nothing. But what I'm making a big deal out of is why do we keep stuffing the truth? In, in all aspects of life, keep mm-hmm. stuffing the truth. And there's no need to. Don't give me your edged weapon BS. Tell me what the guy had. And if that means you, got, you guys got caught by letting a guy in there without frisking him or whatever, uh, we have nothing to say because you've told us the truth. Okay. What Also, what about this scenario? If he's in custody and he's being... Um, and he's being questioned. Yeah. What about the fact that there may be some embarrassment for the police officers and the office saying they shot a guy that had a pair of scissors? Uh, uh, so they say edged weapon, which makes it sound well. A scissors can kill you if the guy's lunging for a cop with the. Scissors. Well, I would agree. I'm not making excuses. I'm just I'm trying to get in their mind as to why they but would see, use. That's the problem. We shouldn't have to try right. to get in their mind. You are a public servant, in this case, a police chief, just as it would be the same with a, an elected official or, a, uh, or anybody else in the public class. If you speak the truth, you take arrows out of the public's quiver, including mine. You leave me with nothing to say because you provided the truth. And this, this gamesmanship that gets played is infuriating. It's just infuriating. Neil, go ahead, please. I think, Joe, one thing I was going to bring up is why this is maybe stands out a little bit is because the person was in custody, and while him being in custody, you think there's some 
some burden of responsibility that the police have control of the situation, and then all of a sudden, lo and behold, he's got a edged weapon slash shank or whatever, and then all of a sudden they go from wrestling with the guy. Maybe he did come after him. We'll say he got a hold of a weapon. He went after the police instead of saying he was harming himself, and he gets shot rather than, well, we tried pepper spray. We tried, you know, it just goes from unknown in police custody, which is rare, and also now he sh- they shoot him. So they should have had control of the situation, and the embarrassment is that they lost control, and then the guy ends up dead. And no, I don't think he's dead. I don't think he's dead. Oh, he's just shot? Uh, uh, he's, he was shot, yeah. Okay. Right. And then one one more thing of the gal that got shot, that's another one that's another thing that I'm I'm on the side of the police, you don't get me wrong, but I mean the she calls for help and she comes up the car and she gets shot and we hear nothing about it. Nobody says a word. Mm-hmm. You got they gotta come to the, and tell us about what happened. Mm-hmm. I agree. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh the man was taken to Hedeman County Medical Center. His condition has not been released. I, I hope I hope he makes it. And so do the police. They don't they don't need this. But uh, <clears throat> if we're not spoken to with the truth, then it becomes entirely reasonable that the police have to put up with, this, with the speculation of people who call radio talk shows. And those people who call radio talk shows with their theories absolutely cannot be blamed for having them. Everything is diffused by the truth. I never truth. thought about that. You're, that's the new Everything game. Everything is diffused by truth. That's why power washing is so insidious and so dangerous, because it, it takes the truth and removes it from the scenario. It takes the truth. You missed yesterday as a, a theater professor at Boston U who thinks Jingle Bells oh. uh, has racist uh, connotations because it was performed in blackface years ago. Uh, You're not ruining Jingle Bells for me. Uh the, the truth the truth is a power washer was used to clean steps at, in front of the Seattle City Hall. It had nothing to do with uh, it had nothing to do with uh, turning water on civil rights activists in the '60s. We as a, as a society, we're stepping all over the truth. We're 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 abusing the truth. We're abusing the truth all the time, hmm. and and. Uh, What's line two, Rook? Uh, Line two is uh, Paul. Paul, go ahead, please. I'll make it quick because the other guy just uh, said basically what I was going to say. I'll submit to you that delaying information has the same effect as not telling the truth. This poor woman that got shot in July, here we are, December. We have no information. And on top of that, the cop that shot shot her, from what I heard the other day, he still hasn't talked. No, he he has not. Yeah, what the heck? Well, I mean, which, apparent, which is his right, I've learned. That's his right. He doesn't have to talk. Perhaps it is, but what does that do then leading, especially because of his name, uh, to insinuations of other motives as to what was going on there? Right. Well, And you can't be blamed for wondering because you haven't been spoken to truthfully. Exactly. And especially, what, five months now? Mm-hmm. Six months? That's mm-hmm. a long time. Right. Thank you. Uh, what's this one, Rook? The next one. I got it. Jim, go ahead, please. See, Joe, um, a question I think you might want to ask that gentleman is why the police didn't use stun guns in their precinct. I mean, they all got a stun gun on their hip. Mm-hmm. makes more sense to me than shooting the guy. All right, thank you. Uh, I got to take a break. Uh, Rook, you take us to break. We'll be back in just a moment.
Go ahead, please. Hello, Joe. How you doing? Good. Great. Hey, uh, I think uh, a couple of people mentioned that you did. I think it's definitely a case of power washing going on here with the Minneapolis police. And like you say, I'm always on the cop side for the most part, having been in the you know public service field for a while myself. Um, I think they're just trying to sanitize us from the fact that they probably failed to search this guy. And instead of saying a guy we failed to search brought a knife in, they're saying a guy we failed to search brought in a, um, a edged object. Mm-hmm. That's just sort of, it goes along with all the speculation that you have, uh, saying that all of us amateur sleuths, are, uh, all right, thank you. And another Jim. Go ahead, please. Hey, Joe, that guy was not in custody. He was down there to do a statement, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the uh, guys talking to him left the room, heard something going on, and they walk in, the guy's flipping his wig. Right. And, and, uh, and side, sidebar in this, people who are coming down to do uh, statements and stuff to any department, are they going to get patted down? I have no idea. I kind of doubt it. Thank yeah. you, Joe. All right. Okay, then that would that would be a big difference then in custody versus uh, doing a statement. Okay, here's another example. What? Let's go national. Let's get away from local. Okay. Uh, many, many news sites uh, are admittedly uh, hell-bent on on tripping up Trump in some way, getting rid of him, however, whatever it takes. I think CNN's daily uh, newscasts are shameful. Uh, I'm not a Trump guy, as you all know. Well established. But he's the president. Uh, Now, here's a headline from today's New York Daily News. You ready? Yes. Trump takes another awkward sip of water using two hands to hold glass during D.C. speech. All right. I saw the video of it. Uh, I don't know why Trump used two hands to raise to his lips a cup of water. Like I would a beer. But I don't care that he did. Right. Uh, A, what's awkward about it? I I guess the New York Daily News is making the presumption that adult males, adult white males, should only use one hand to take a sip of water, and thus if two hands get used, it's awkward. But I've even seen this uh, expressed uh, today on various news sites as, is this another example of of dementia setting in? Okay. And then they tie that into the loose, or to the slurred words from a week ago or so. Right. Well, in in the case of the slurred words, uh, if, uh, if Trump's people are saying, well, he, he, he has dentures, then Trump himself should say, yeah, my teeth were loose. I didn't put enough oxycodone, that, that whatever that, the hell that, the glue is. Uh, Pepsodent. Whatever. No, dentine. No. Whatever. Uh, j- just tell us. I don't care if you've got teeth that are falling out. Just put your glue in. Just tell me the truth. And then today, uh, if you're not going to tell us, well, what's to tell about grabbing the water with two hands? So was, we grabbed the water with two hands. I had a thirst that was tremendous. It was a, the biggest <laughs> thirst in history. Joe, you're right. Anytime somebody in the public eye self-deprecates 
that you endear yourself to the to the public. People love that. You're well, it he's shows not, normal. He's, he's not capable of self-deprecation. That's one of his I, downfalls. I, that's really that shows normal. Self-deprecation can save you in many cases, and he's not capable of it. But so he so he, there's a little glass of water on the podium, and he and it does it looks funny. I don't know that it's awkward. It I looks gotta, funny. I gotta find the video. It's like here. a sippy cup <laughs> that a little kid uses, uh, but. No, I, 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 no, no. You see it? I'm watching it right. I, I have the still shot, so I haven't seen the actual so, video so yet. So we took a. So what? So what? You're gonna you're gonna go from there to dementia? That's a long leap to it's make. A really long. That's a long, long leap to make. He's making America thirsty again. That's the uh, <laughs> that's the quote here. You know, my three year old does that. Yeah, he grabs the sippy cup with. With both sides, mm-hmm. and then he, when he when he brings it up, see, he ends up spilling half of it down the front. Well, side and of then shirt. what happens too in this day of social media? The you know the New York Daily News sets the readers up with the headline: Trump takes another awkward sip of water. Another, maybe he's done this before. I, I don't know where they get another from. And then what you do then is you open it up to. Uh, the great Greek chorus of the unwashed who go on Twitter and comment on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my two-year-old does this. Who yeah. uses two hands to lift a water glass? Uh, and on and on and on and on. The, in all cases, in all cases, the truth of a matter would, would end that BS. And I don't happen to know what what truth <laughs> might be involved in having to use two hands to take a I'm sip just, of uh, water. It is funny. Of the capital. Yeah. To herald the day, the people became the rulers of their nation again. Yep. Let's get the water here. Thank you. Thank you. It's not very presidential, no, is it? No, it's not. But, but he, so he, what? He Thank kind you. of slips here. If you watch this. The rulers of yeah. their nation again. What is he slipping? Right. I, a little... A little Stumble of some sort there. I'm not sure what it is. Well, you're worse Their than New York Daily News. Again. Here. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, there's people around that are going to, if he's having a stroke, they're going to know it. I don't think that's a stroke. No, that's not at all. If that I'm, was I'm, a stroke, you would have known it by now. Exactly. So you can't really say, is he having a stroke or is it early set Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or whatever it is. Uh, we're going to be back shortly. Oh, but my gosh. Yeah. Here's John Height. Thank you, Joe. It's sunny and 34 degrees. The Wild playing tonight. They're on the road. They're in Ottawa to play the Senators. The Wolves with a 108-107 win over Portland last night. They're off tonight, but they will be in Denver to play the Nuggets tomorrow evening. Pioneer Press reporting former Gophers coach Jerry Kill is stepping down as offensive coordinator at Rutgers. Kill, who initially retired from Minnesota during the 2015 season, steps down from the Scarlet Knights after one season on the Jerry, job. Jerry, why did you even go back to coaching? Was, why is he stepping down? That's what I want to know. Health reasons, right? Well, yeah. He was briefly hospitalized during the season, but returned to work during Rutgers' 4-8 and season under head coach Chris Ash. Uh, Kill, of course, coached four-plus seasons here in Minnesota, going 29-29 and 29 until a series of seizures forced him to step down in October of 2015. His defensive coordinator, Tracy Clay, succeeded him until he was fired in January of this past year, giving way to current coach, T.J. Fleck. 
News notes from today. Republicans have passed the most sweeping rewrite of the nation's tax laws in more than three decades. House Speaker Paul Ryan dismissed criticism of the package and insisted results are what's going to make this popular. Polls have shown Americans right now oppose the bill by up to 20 percentage points over those who are in favor of it. The vote, largely along party lines, 227 to 203. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said the Senate will vote tonight, sending the legislation to President Trump for his signature. Senator Patrick Leahy said he regrets now calling for Senator Al Franken to resign instead of waiting for that ethics committee investigation. The Burlington Free Press reports the Vermont Democrat released a statement saying he has stood for due process throughout his career and that he regrets not doing that this time. He said the ethics committee should have been allowed to investigate and make its recommendation. Franken announced his resignation from the Senate earlier this month following allegations of sexual misconduct. At the time, Leahy and dozens of other senators urged Franken to step down. Governor Dayton, of course, has appointed uh, Lieutenant Governor Tina Smith to take Franken's seat when he resigns later on this month. Minnesota's Department of Health Commissioner is resigning. Governor Dayton's office announcing today Commissioner Ed Ellinger would step down. Ellinger has been head of the state's Health Oversight Board since 2011. The announcement didn't specify why he was leaving, but it follows reporting by the Star Tribune on serious oversight lapses of the state's senior care facilities. Newspaper previously documented that hundreds of seniors had been beaten, sexually assaulted, or robbed at Minnesota facilities every year, and it reported the agency struggled with a backlog of senior maltreatment complaints. Dayton's statement on Ellinger's resignation said his administration is working to improve the Department of Health's oversight. Deputy Commissioner Dan Pollack will serve as acting commissioner on an interim basis. Authorities have charged a 48-year-old woman with six counts of theft by swindle, for allegedly asking members of the Hmong community to make cash investments in her ginseng farm, totaling $450,000 when she was using the money to fund gambling trips instead. Hennepin County has issued the charges by warrant for Mai Vu Vang, who used to live in Brooklyn Center. Investigators believe she is now residing in Georgia. They're looking for, and anyone who knows where she's at is asked to call local authorities. According to the criminal complaint, Vang why, told... Why would you... Why would you invest money into a ginseng farm? Is that a profitable deal? Well, you got to have your ginseng. Ask, ask uh, Larry King. Ask to see with ginseng. <laughs> it's great. I take it every day. You want to invest, Larry? Yes. Too cheap. According to the complaint, Vang told people in the Hmong community, some of them she knew through her church, uh, that she was looking for investors in a ginseng farm in Wausau, Wisconsin. What the hell is ginseng? It's, it's a tea, a, right? Is it an herb? It's an herb that uh, allegedly... Wasn't Morgan Kiwi Wolf Slattery big on ginseng? Allegedly supplies energy. I allegedly. See. Yeah. When I see the Hmong gardens around town, is that what they're growing? Serious question. Are they growing ginseng? That I don't know. Okay. Could, ginseng could is any one of the uh, species slow-growing perennial plants with fleshy roots. Huh. Okay. There you are. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> Investigators began You've looking. Said it all, Rook. Yes. I, I, I'd like to point out that this sentence threw me for a loop. Let's see if it throws you guys for a loop. Here we go. Right. You got to be careful too, because you're on double secret probation. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Investigators began looking into the case and called the Ginseng Board of Wisconsin <laughs> and discovered the state had no record of Vang owning a farm in the state. Okay. There's a Ginseng Board of. And thus does government grow. I, that's exactly what I was thinking. Need a, you know, we need a hey, ginseng board. Who wants to be appointed? I want to be on that board. W why would you need that? I have no idea. Huh. Is ginseng capable of becoming a drug? Although ginseng has been used in traditional medicine for centuries, 
Modern research is inconclusive about its biological effects. So, but is it is it be, if it's peddled as a drug? I can see where the government might want to have a board. Well, you can buy it over the counter. It's I have not no a, idea yeah, what it is. You can just walk up and buy it at uh, you know Walmart if you want All it, or right. Walgreens, wherever. You could have got some when you picked up your walkie-talkies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then the bill would have been ninety-two dollars. Right. <laughs> the number of U.S. deaths at work from unintentional drug and alcohol overdoses jumped more than thirty percent in twenty sixteen, according to new government data showing that the nation's struggle with the deadly opioid epidemic is migrating to the workplace, according to the experts. Bureau of Labor Statistics National Census of Fatal Occupational Injuries said today that 217 workers died on the job last year as a result of an unintentional overdose from the non-medical use of drugs or alcohol. number of accidental overdose deaths at work has nearly tripled since they began compiling that data in 2011. The statistic part of a bigger problem, according to the board, Drug overdose deaths surpassed 64,000 last year in the U.S. That, according to estimates by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, President Trump in October declared opioid addiction, in particular, a national public health emergency. Not only opioids, but you can have a gross overdose with uh, ginseng, nausea, vomiting, uh, irritability, restlessness, urinary and bowel incontinence, and, of course, convulsions. And delirium. I don't like that. Hey, remember when you had uh, major delirium the other day? <laughs> no. And you come, come back with, hey, I just had delirium. Yeah, it wasn't major. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was just delirium. Just, just normal, normal, case. Case. Just delirium, normal delirium. It was normal yeah. delirium. Yeah. McDonald's going vegan. The fast food chain plans to start selling a McVegan burger. Where's Charles Barkley when you need it? Yeah. <laughs> hundreds of restaurants across Sweden and Finland starting December 28th. The sandwich, was, uh, which has already been tested at a handful of McDonald's locations in Finland. I don't believe in vegetarians. No, made That's up. a made-up made thing. Made like meat. It's a made-up thing. <laughs> Nobody don't like meat. Uh, Come on, the, Ernie. The sandwich consists of a soy patty, a bun, tomato, lettuce, pickles, onion, ketchup, mustard, oil, and an eggless sandwich sauce. Yeah, I'll see you on that. McDonald's. D's, you're already doing it right. Keep doing what you're doing. McDonald's spokesperson Henrik Norell said, like our other burgers, the McVegan is tasty and has a good texture. The meatless burger, which was developed in partnership with a specialty Norwegian food company called Orkla. You know, if it's meatless, it shouldn't be called a burger. I'm right. with you. Right. Yes. I'm, not a, there's no such thing as a meatless burger. Not even a sandwich. Burger. Can you have a... Well, and I'm not trying to rip Mickey D's here. They're just trying to make a buck and cater to the masses. But if you're interested in a vegan burger, is that going to be your stop? Call it something else. Call it a vegan sandwich. You know? Yeah. It's not. It's not a burger. It's not it is a burger. not hamburger. Hey, there you go. Yep. Boom. Okay. We have uh, rules. We, I think we've taken a, a stand. Of, go. Group of villagers in Thailand uh, banded together last week to rescue a massive 450-pound catfish that became Whoa. stranded in a swamp after flooding in the area. Resident of the village of Fatalung Province filmed as dozens of villagers ventured into the shallow swamp waters. But he can't say Hoboken. To no. wrap the Hoboken. Yeah. See, you right. said it wrong too now. To wrap what was the, it? Fatty isn't that the birthplace of Frank Sinatra. It is, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I've known how to say it all my life. I don't I know, know why. you have a complex now, now, too. Now on the radio, I can't say it. Right. Anyway, there was a bomb scare. Uh, the chief offsite correspondent <laughs> uh, said there was a bomb scare in a school in Hoboken, but it was taken care of. Ah, glad I didn't have to read that right. story. Anyway, they were. We also did get an email from a listener that said it's not pronounced Wakisha. They, yeah, and I, I didn't say that, but Chris did. But right. that's all right. Uh, this, they saved the fisher. That's. Good. I'm glad they saved the yeah. catfish because that's, uh, that's pretty important. 450 pounds. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
We're going to have Dave Dahl coming up shortly. All right. Indeed. Any moment now, one of us will find the thing we have to hit. I just moved my thing here, so I got it. Uh, yeah. Ready on now? Okay. Make a move. Joe And I think to myself. Listen to the tubs in the background. What I want Here's Dave Dahl. Thank you, Joe. We're at 34 degrees right now, heading down again. We have northwest winds that are strong, 24 gusting to 31. Makes it feel like it's 22, the wind chill right now. Uh, clouds are going to continue to increase overnight tonight. We could get a little light snow toward morning. I don't think it's going to be a major issue. 18 for the overnight low tonight. Mostly cloudy tomorrow. Snow developing during the mid to late morning. That's a little bit more likely for that. Maybe up to an inch by tomorrow evening, and that could cause some problems with the evening commute. 26 for the high, then 26 again on Thursday with accumulating snow. Um, quite likely, especially from the Twin Cities area southeastward, I think that's where the heaviest snow is going to fall. Anywhere from 4 to 8 inches of snow down around Rochester and from there stretching toward Madison, Wisconsin. For us here in the Twin Cities, 1 to 3 um, is about all we're going to see. And we may not even see that much if this thing continues to shift southward, which it's doing. Um, so then after that moves through, it's going to turn a lot colder. 22 on Friday, still some flurries around. Saturday, 10 above. Sunday and Christmas Day, 6 above. But overnight lows getting down to teens below zero uh, starting on Christmas night. And a high of only zero on the day after Christmas with a low on Tuesday night down to 12 degrees below zero. So the cold air is going to come. The snow, not so much at this point. Uh, it looks like most of it's going to fall down to our south as that system kind of winds up. And it will affect the... Um, the Green Bay game, probably, uh, with windy and cold conditions. But I think the snow will be over by about midday. And since the game's at 730, I think the snow won't be an issue if they can get it out of the stands. They're going to be shoveling again because they could pick up anywhere from around three to four, maybe even five inches of snow during the day on Saturday before it tapers off early afternoon. 34 for us here in the Twin Cities right now. Joe, heading to a low of 18. I have the records for the day. December 19. 52. 52. 1923. 1923. 29 below zero. 29 below. In 1983. In 1983. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Uh, Rick, real quickly, please. Uh, yeah, Joe, listening to John Height's uh, recent newscast, I got a Hollywood Squares cartoon bubble. You and your wife decide to start a ginseng farm. Do you get any in the first year? Charlie Weaver. No, we're too busy growing ginseng. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. And that fellow's name was not Rick. Ah, uh, okay. It was a different... I think his name was Angie. Okay, yeah. Hey, you know what he did? Huh? He quit while he was ahead. That's right. Well, well, no, I well he had a little help from Joe. Was, I'm going to help you, Ingy, by just him. cutting and you off. And I did off. help him. I That's made right. him a star. You did. Right. You did. Your Christmas light... <laughs> Your Christmas lights ever get tangled? <laughs> Call me now. Hey, speaking of that, when are we? Uh, when are you playing that? Do you light know run, why? Chris, do you know that Christmas lights get tangled? You take them down, you put them away, and you get yeah, them out. Yeah, you know this is how it works. <laughs> but do you know that it's become a matter of science why that happens? Why is this? Well, this is according to Colin Adams, a mathematician at Williams College in Williamstown, Massachusetts, got it, and the author of the book The Knot. An introduction to the mathematical theory of knots. 
Hmm. First, the cord on which the lights are attached is prone to tangling, just as headphone and earbud cords are. Uh, several years ago, physicists Dorian Raymer and Douglas Smith, huh. then at the University of California, San Diego, did a study to see just how easily cords can get tangled. See, that's what they're studying. <laughs> they're studying this. How's yours? Oh, not really that tangled. It's all right. It's all right. None of you look better. They put bits of string of various lengths in a cube-shaped box and then mechanically rotated the box so that the strings tumbled around like socks in a dryer. Okay. They did this 3,400 times. Wow. The first knots appeared within seconds. More than 120 different types of knots spontaneously formed during the experiment. They also found that the longer the string, the more likely it was to become knotted. As the length of the string increased, the probability of a knot forming approached 100%. Wow. I'm just trying that's, to help. You know what? I'm just, it's, it's, uh, it's just nuts, isn't it? What crazy. color were the lights? I don't know. <laughs> but that's not the end of the story. Oh, there's there. I didn't know wow. there was more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're tangled up. And... Well, if the cord has metal wire inside it, like Christmas lights do, yeah. then it can acquire an, a natural curvature. Jay Miller is senior research scientist sure. at the Connecticut-based United Technologies Research Center, tells Mental Floss. That means... That a wire that's been wrapped around a cylindrical spool, for example, will tend to retain that shape. Okay. Well, huh. what can be done? Yeah. We got to get to the bottom of this. Let's, so what how can do we, we do about this? this? What do we we got to do something about this immediately? Uh, I don't know. I'm not going to read this. I usually uh, the way I the way I tend to solve mine. We must mine, do something about this immediately, immediately, immediately. I uh, just grab them. Um, I walk over to the garbage. I lift the lid up. Just throw them just in there. Just toss them right throw in. Them in. <laughs> throw them right in there. Yep. And Solves then, the uh, problem right get, away. Get new ones. That'll, in that the, might work. Heading over to Fratellonis to get me some yeah, new ones. Yeah, go get All some right. new ones every year. Fifteen hundred ESPN presents. 52 Super Stories leading up to the big game. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Here's Patrick Royce. Number five on the list of the Grade 8 Super Bowls was played three seasons ago in Glendale, Arizona. Patriots 28, Seahawks 24, and Super Bowl 49 on February 1st, 2015. There was one uh, previous Super Bowl played in the Arizona Cardinals Stadium, and that didn't offer much of a memory for the Patriots. A 17-14 upset loss to the Giants in February 2008 that cost the Patriots their perfect season. The Seahawks had a chance to gain a reputation for serious greatness with a victory over the Patriots and Tom Brady. One year earlier, the Seahawks had crushed Denver 43-8 with Peyton Manning as the Broncos quarterback. Seattle had reached the Super Bowl by beating Green Bay 28-22 in overtime when the Packers messed up mightily in the fourth quarter, most notably when Brandon Bostock butchered an onside kick. New England also had come back from looking beaten, rallying twice from 14-point deficits versus the Baltimore Ravens. The Patriots then wiped out the Colts and Andrew Luck in the AFC title game. The Super Bowl was tied 14-all at halftime, and then Seattle drove for a field goal and a touchdown. Russell Wilson threw a three-yard touchdown pass to Doug Baldwin, who then was penalized 15 yards for his end zone celebration. That's all the Patriots needed, of course. First, they drove 68 yards for a touchdown with Brady's 21-yarder to Julian Edelman, on third and 14 as the huge play. Later, Edelman caught a three-yard touchdown pass to give New England the 28-24 lead with 2.02 left. Brady caught, touchdown, Julian Edelman. 
Feldman. Seattle started in its 20. Right away, Wilson threw a 31-yard pass to Marshawn Lynch. Then, an acrobatic catch by Curse and a tangle with Patriots defensive back, Malcolm Butler was good for 33 yards. The Seahawks were at the Patriots' 5 with a minute left. Lynch ran 4 yards of the 1. Second and goal from there. The Seahawks were so certain of victory that they let the clock run down to 26 seconds before Wilson took the snap. Lynch again? Nope. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. I'm sorry, but I can't believe the call. Me neither. I cannot believe the call. And Seattle's quest for two in a row went poof with that blunder. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, Marshawn Lynch was now with Oakland, was still on Twitter making fun of that call. The worst call in the 51 previous Super Bowl. 52 Super Stories continues next week. Brought to you by Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, where you always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. And for more details on Super Bowl 52 coming to the Twin Cities in 2018, sign up for the host committee email at mnsuperbowl.com. This is your home for sports talk. Really? 1500 ESPN. Hey, it's making national news that uh, you can come to the Twin Cities and get hired to work the Super Bowl as an unarmed security guard. Hey, hey unarmed security guard. That does not give me confidence. <laughs> is that because we don't have enough volunteers? Is Apparently, that the bit? an unarmed security guard. Um, so you get to Minneapolis and uh, you can get employment. Do you have Super Bowl plans yet? Uh, to be as far away as possible. Just watch it at, uh, from your own Far away as possible. You having a party? Why don't you have the staff over for a Super Bowl party? Where's the party? ESPN I got the is KSTP, St. <laughs> Paul, Minneapolis. 34 now. 34, 34. The wind is howling. The sports is coming up next.